This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets face the most unlikely of relegation six-pointers with a home tie against Everton. This is the None and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to an absolutely euphoric episode of the Known and Ever podcast. Listeners, we are high as a kite following that tremendous victory at Turf Moor last night against now massive relegation rivals Everton. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week are my very special friends from our panel. That is, of course, George Poole and Rich Steele. Gentlemen, who wants to go first and who wants to tell me whether their feet are on the ground yet? Oh, neither of you. Come on. George is pointing at me, so I guess I'll go first. (laughs) I thought you'd go diving then. I was like, come on. So go on, Rich, tell me, sum up, how are you feeling after last night? It's, you know, it's what, nearly 24 hours on. I'm still in shock, to be honest (laughs) with you. I'm, you know, I'm euphoric. I'm still in shock. You know, I've got my Burnley shirt on uh, tonight. You know, that's why we love football, isn't it? And hate it in equal measure. I was actually... Absolutely, completely down at half time. You know, thinking that's it, we're relegated. We kind of, we just seem to implode a little bit after we give away that first, you know, after we give away the penalty after being in control of the game. And then to turn it around in the second half, it's, it, it shows that we've still got that bottle and that desire within the team. It wasn't a vintage performance by any means. I thought it was two par sides, and you can see why we're 18th and why Everton are 17th. And, but ultimately, that, that moment when Corne's goal went in, I was, you know, we had my dad next to me, my cousin next to me. And I was just like, I was shaking my dad. And I, and I think, you know, I think I forget my dad's 63 now. I've got to be a little bit more careful with him. <laughs> uh, and um, I know he listens to it some, sometimes. I actually travelled to the game with my uh, head of education, Warren, who's a big Everton fan. So, uh for some reason, his phone wasn't uh, ringing after the game. Oh, really? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I managed to, uh, before our lesson started this morning, had a little cheeky look into his office. But, yeah, it, it was an absolute great feeling. <laughs> and, you know, from being relegated and that's it, you know, thinking, yeah. you know, we're, we're done to actually looking at the table now and, and going, you know, we have got a really good chance, with, you know, of, of surviving. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, interestingly, Rich, my boss is an Everton fan and I, I genuinely have spent most of the day wondering whether I need to find another job. Um, George, to me, when that corner goal went in, and I'm sure to many of our fans as well, it was just so reminiscent of Keno's equaliser against Borough, the championship winning season. The turf went absolutely mental and it didn't it just feel amazing to have turf more rocking on a night like that under the floodlights and just to give the fans something to be excited about again. Oh, it was so good. I'm, I'm listening to your speech there and I'm so jealous that I couldn't make it up last night. Oh, no. <laughs> but it, I thought honestly, you were on, sorry. No, no, not last night, unfortunately. But it was, it, I mean, it wasn't as good, obviously, watching at home, but it was still brilliant. I mean, same as Rich at halftime. I was absolutely distraught. I, I I was so down in the dumps, you know, I was thinking, this is it. And, you know, all the signs have been pointing towards that direction, but to actually have it in front of you, staring, literally staring into the abyss, it was devastating. So then to turn it around in the second half, and when that corner goal went in, same as Rich, really, I was just, I was just, I was just trembling. I was apparently, I mean, what happens in the moment stays in the moment, but my, my flatmates watching TV downstairs and couldn't, couldn't hear the TV over my screaming, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was just this massive release of just adrenaline and such relief. And for the next, what, five to ten minutes of the game, I was just, my hands were on my head. I was thinking, how, how have we done this? What's going to happen here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, Rich, on the ground. How long did that last ten minutes feel in the ground? I felt oh. sick. It was one of them. It kind of goes from that euphoria to oh no we've still got what you know five minutes left plus the injury time and you felt you know the atmosphere was amazing it was kind of like say we cleared a ball that we want to throw in you know and, and then the, the crowd all of a sudden then got back up and then you know we, we gave the ball away and Rondon had that shot where Pope was just rooted to his line and then it's oh, like oh the nerves, the, the nerves come back <laughs> again and then I remember looking you know because I always do a stopwatch when we're winning and I remember thinking it, it went bang on four and they had the ball out wide and they got across into the box and oh my God. So, but yeah, the atmosphere last night, you know, this is just football for, you know, it, like we was all saying, you know, I think George used a really good, you know, word there, you know, we were stirring into the abyss and, yeah. you know, that relegation was, you know, even though we've always said it and, you know, me and Tom, when we've come on the podcast have, have said it is looking bleak and it's, it is, going to be tough and you know but actually when it is serving it in your face it kind of hits home and you know and, and then just to turn it around it was just it, it was one of them it was similar to the Tottenham game at home it was just one of them magical moments at Turf Moor that through all the rubbish and the pain that we have to suffer at times you know it does make it all worth it and you know what we've just got nine games to go and they're absolute nine cup finals for us now to you know get behind the team um, you know and and like you said, just really give the lads some support and fingers crossed we can, you know, fingers crossed we can do it because it will be one of the greatest escapes. Yeah, it would. And I think I definitely share that view. Richie and I have talked about this separately as well in that it's difficult because there's a lot of pressure. There seems to be a lot of pressure on Burnley fans, actually. And I don't know whether we are unique in this respect or whether or not this is just typical fan of most clubs but there seems to be a phenomenal amount of pressure on Burnley fans to just stay positive all the time and it's like you get piled on quite a lot if you have a downtime and you're just like no I'm done or I'm fed up I don't want to watch anymore or you know or you're just and it's an it's an emotional reaction to a very 
passionate game. Um, and it is, it's been really, really hard this season to stay positive because it's not been great to watch. The results haven't been there. It's been a long time since we had nights like that. Um, and to me, at the beginning, especially when that, well, actually, it was probably when the first Everton goal went in, it felt to me like the players had done that as well. Like heads went down very, very quickly. And I think that was between that and maybe probably the 70th minute-ish I thought we were quite poor. And I think that's what you mean when you say it wasn't a vintage performance. Um, George, it was an interesting... <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, my God. That is, listeners, that is Mr. Bromley. And he is upstairs at the other end of the house. What, what the hell was that sneeze? Like, that was the loudest sneeze in the world. Need a little cameo that was there like from... when the fireworks went off. <laughs> turf last night. Oh, okay. Quick pause then. Whoever did that, I swear to the heavens, I was cursing you on turf more. I was like, do not jinx this. Do not prematurely release fireworks. This is an awful thing to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad Can that I just that's say something. Yeah, of course. One day, it probably won't happen if I Burnley won the league. We've won a oh game. Oh my God. I know. Fireworks are going off. I know it's a big game, but it's just one game, isn't it? I know. The bottom three. Imagine if we had to like win the league. But a lot, a lot of the media outlets have picked up on this, and I think this is what we've talked about about expectations before. Um, there's, there's been almost like a calmness and a, a, an acceptance of our fate this season. Yeah, it's been disappointing, and we're a bit down in the dumps about it. But there's not been a panic, and there's not been a bitterness there. And I think that's just because we are a side that's set up at the moment each season to have to fight relegation because that's that's where we are in the football ecosystem. We have to do that every year. Um, Daesh knows that, the board knows that, the players know that, the fans know that. But it does mean that when we have nights like last night and Everton fans were like, oh my God, Burnley celebrating like they've won the league. Well, no, actually, we know how important that is in terms of momentum and in terms of damage to Everton because like... George, Everton are not a side that are set up for relegation. They've not got a manager who can deal with relegation. And I would argue neither of Leeds and Watford maybe do, but Leeds and Everton, they've not got the experience of this that we have. No, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting and you were speaking about um, how we've been sort of calm all season. I think, even though, like, obviously, it, it, you, love to, you love to hate it sometimes when, you know, Dash comes out and is really, really calm in his interviews and all this, and you think, oh, no. I can't be listening to this again, but I think it does like emanate across the not only the players in the club, but into the fans as well. You know, we, we have got that calmness at, at the, the top of the club, accepting of, you know, this is where we are, but we're going to keep fighting, we're going to keep doing this and just working as we've always done towards that target. I mean, I listened to, um, I I, well, obviously I watched all the Sky coverage last night. I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> and when uh, big old Frankie Lampard came on for his post-match interview, if I was an Everton fan listening at home, I'd I'd be worried. You know, it yeah. just didn't it didn't emanate that calmness at all that Dyche does after every game. He was wishwashy. The the interviewer said, Oh, is there more pressure perhaps on Everton because you're a big club, not been relegated since 1951? And he was like, No, 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 no. And then he went, Oh, well, you know, maybe it is the case, but we we don't think we shouldn't think like that. And it was like so wishy-washy. Yeah. And you could just tell he's he's not been in this position before he doesn't know how to manage a club in this position and I think Sean Dash at the complete other end of the spectrum and I think it does just generate a calmness amongst if not the fans you know I think it generates calmness with me just because I want to believe him but I think it definitely will do with the players and we're so experienced that it gives us an edge on a night last like last night where there wasn't that much in the game yeah that's true George you know we're going to put that on your tombstone right George Poole wanted to believe everything that Sean Dash said <laughs> 
relentless like we'll never ever move down um yeah actually rich i listen i'm not I, I don't like to advocate listening to talk sport. I'm not necessarily a fan, um, but and definitely not the Alan Brazil show. Um, but there was there was an interesting thing. I think somebody shared it on social media today. Um, I thought Neil Warnock. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I'm quoting this guy. Um, I thought he hit his nail on the head this morning when he said what Frank Lampard doesn't appreciate at the moment and he has no experience of is the fact that there is a very big difference again with winning a big game that is a big game like a Champions League final or winning the league or getting to a cup final and winning a big league in a, rele- uh, sorry, winning a big game in a relegation fight. And, and that's right, isn't it? And that is the difference. That's why I think Everton fans should be worried. I, I love Neil Warnock, personally. I love his quotes. Good for I've you. Watched a, <laughs> I've, I've watched a few of his documentaries and I think he's brilliant. And I know he's going off to, he's the type of manager you want at your club. Everyone else hates him, but you want him at your club, and that's a sign of a good manager to me. Uh, is yeah, that not Dash though, Rich? Is that not Dash? So Have we not got the modern version? I think a lot of people like Dash. You think, you know, you might have your keyboard warriors on Twitter, you know, now it's about footed, maybe don't like Burnley, but you know, every ground I, you know, we go watching a lot of football and go to a lot of away grounds, and most proper football fans you speak to in a pub before the game or after the game, as you say, they, they quite like Burnley and, and they want us to stay up actually. So don't listen yeah. to a lot of the noise and Twitter, but it's a really funny one with Everton, isn't it? I always felt that Everton wouldn't wouldn't go down, and but when you actually look at the team last night, you think you know they are struggling. I know they've got a few injuries, but we, I don't care what anyone says. We wasn't great last night, but we managed to you know grind out the win. I watched Everton against West Ham on Sunday. West Ham weren't great, and Everton's lost both those games. Yeah, you know. So what does that say? The defence is awful. Uh, the best centre-half, Yerry Mina, is, you know, is really struggling with injuries. Rich is the one player who we might was, I don't particularly like him, but he was head and shoulders above everyone else last night, like in an, in a, in an attacking sense, by the way. So it, it, is he one player who can turn on the magic? I think for Everton, if you look at their away record, away record, it's absolutely horrendous. But, that Goodison Park crowd, it, it can be that 12th man. You know, when they beat Newcastle a few games ago and they went down to 10 men, the crowd really stuck with them in, in that yeah. game. But it's one of them. If they go down 1-0 early on Saturday, the crowd took, could turn against them. Yeah. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I know we're going to like look at, you know, maybe predictions later on in the podcast, but we have got that experience. I don't think we've ever quite been in this much trouble before no. this season like this this much trouble um, but Everton certainly haven't and I think when they hired Lampard I really don't think they, they expected to be in this much of a relegation battle I think it was get through this season and look to kind of build on the future I actually think if they kept Benitez they would have been higher than what they are now yeah I really agree yeah um, it is <laughs> so but yeah I think sorry I think Lampard staying in definitely gives us a good a better chance I think Leeds are not completely out of it, but I think if they beat Watford, they probably are. Mm. Um, but they're not. But they're just just sneaking in there. But yeah, Everton's definitely the team that, and I genuinely believe now after watching them last night and against West Ham that we can catch them. Yeah, I agree. Um, George, it's interesting to look at um, at the differences between the sides at the moment and looking at. I guess the performance against City and the performance last night, the City, I mean, we didn't even bother with an analysis show after City because we were all just so down in the dumps. We thought that was it. And it was just 
an absolute, it was the very def- definition of, uh, of two sides carrying out a contractual obligation, wasn't it? It was awful. Um, Mr. Bromley floated something with me last night, which I found quite interesting. And he debated whether Daesh has deliberately saved energy and mental toughness and identified this last run of 10 fixtures to basically do a sprint finish over the line. It's a risky strategy, a really risky strategy, because you're expecting your team to go from zero to 100 overnight to just suddenly be absolutely on it and focused and tough to get to the end. But as soon as he said it, I just thought, you know what? It would, Daesh is a clever manager. It might be risky, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's what he's done here. Ooh, I don't, I don't exactly. Know. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, know, like, I, I think I think like obviously it's too, you, you're only one step away from getting into like um, ma- ma- throwing a match sort of scenario there. Oh no, no 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 no! I did not. No, not not in that sense. I meant how he's prepared the season. He knows how to stay up in the league. So he's what I'm what I'm saying is is that he's just almost realised that there's no point putting effort into City at home. It's like, save the players. Like, last night, get them. That's what I mean. It's like, we've got nine very winnable games. Has he, if he's realised that his players don't have the legs or the strength to get through an entire season, has he deliberately saved them for this? I don't think that's match fixing. I think that's strategy of his survival. Yeah, like there might be the case of like say say there's a couple of players on the edge fitness wise for a game. If it's you know a game against City, mm. we're not gonna we're not gonna risk them for that. You know, like Vigdra, like McNeil, and the rest of them. And I think uh, just mentality wise, they'll have definitely gone into the game against City with a come on lads. It it's a throwaway game. No one's expecting us to get anything out of yeah. this. We'll see how we get on. But the next ten games after this are our cup finals, and we 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 go all out trying to win them. I think it was quite interesting after the game last night in J-Rod's interview and Corner said the same, which m- makes me think, you know, this is a sort of, from it's coming from Daesh really in, into their heads. But he was, they, they were asked, oh, you know, was tonight a must-win game for you? And J-Rod said, well, yeah, but every game between now and the end of the season is a must-win. We need yeah. to win all, we need, we need to win every game. And Corner said exactly the same and it just made me think, mm, yeah, they've, they've definitely had this chat just said look we're going into these last 10 and we're going to win all 10 because if we do we stay up no matter what anybody else does so yeah. we we know how to we know how to carry out a relegation battle and survive we it's not rocket science to understand that these last 10 games are a much better running for us than other teams yeah and look we've not been amazing enough to the season so far but if you if we've reset in that international break and just got back to look we've got these 10 games City, well, nine games, whatever it was after City, doesn't matter. That game doesn't matter. But these last ones, that's where we go and we prove to everyone that we know how to do this. And, you know, yeah. it was like I said at half time last night to the boys, oh, I don't, I'm not sure that team know how to win a game, lads. You know, it's just that meant we've been there before. We know how to do it. You, you look over at the other dressing room and you see all them, you see the, even like some Richarlison and stuff, and you think, you're not used to this. You know, no. Frank Lampard, you're not used to this. We can go out and we can get, get at them. And I think that's exactly what we did second half. We, we went and got, got at them and we were positive, even if not every move was a fast flowing and, uh, uh, you know, a good one, but it was always positive. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, Rich, let's let's deal with the the frustrating part of the, of the games before we carry on with the euphoria, because I want to keep this as positive as can. So we've, we've had very few 
chances this season to just be happy and relaxed. Um, Burnley, of course, started by far the better of, of the two sides. I think for the first 20 minutes, we were fantastic. Got our noses in front. Great piece of play by um, by Collins to get it over there. Oh, and by the way, BBC Sport, if you are listening, never in a million years was that bundled over the line. Like, Do you want to like maybe stop being so biased in your reporting? But okay, rant over. Um, but then two... I'm not going to say controversial because I'm not sure they were, but two penalty decisions that are very much splitting fans. Um, two penalties. I'm not going to say which one I think. Talk me through both of those penalties, Rich, and tell me what you think about the decisions. VAR gets a lot of criticism. So I'm going to go from that angle first. Yeah. And how VAR worked. I think the first penalty from where I was sitting, as soon as I seen it, I thought, oh, that's a penalty. It looked really clumsy from Westwood. When you watch that back, it is soft, but it's yeah, not both sides and it's the wrong side of Gordon. I think that penalty, if that doesn't get given, it doesn't get overturned. Agreed. But I think Lennon's, it does, I've said this before to Tom when he's when he comes on the podcast. It doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter what you think. In the modern rules now, whether we penalty. like it or not, that is a penalty. Yeah. Just, Actually, I think I don't have a problem with that second one. I, so, I cannot agree more. So That's exactly me, it I think the processes were actually right last night by VAR, if, if we're looking at it from that aspect. Yeah. And I completely understand why both penalties given. We can moan. This, this is what does annoy me about football fans in general. We, you can moan and moan about officials. The two pieces are bad defending. Oh, Westwood, yeah. Westwoods give the ball away initially, which is no shock. He's then... <laughs> literally got the wrong side of Gordon. He's been clumsy, so you give the referee a decision to make. And then Lennon is tracking back. He's been a bit lazy, stuck his leg out, and the lad's gone over. If that was Burnley, we'd be wanting the two yeah, penalties. We would. Yeah, and, we would. and to me, you've you've got to look at yourself sometimes. And why are we still conceding these sloppy goals? Yeah, you know, especially down our channels, it's happening too often. And Teams are really targeting us. It happened against Brentford when we didn't close Ericsson down and, and it basically gave him a free cross. Two goals against City, as good as they are, were from out wide. The first one was just shocking, lack of tracking. So you've got to look at yourselves, really. And, you know, I said a morning about these penalties issues, but I've actually went away from the game and, and I would have said the same even if we lost. I've actually got no real issues with the de de decisions that were made personally because... Football has changed a lot from when we all probably started watching them and obviously there's different generations. But the way the modern game is now, whether we like it or not, in my opinion, those decisions were actually correct on the night. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think, George, those those two penalties very much changed momentum. They put momentum back in Everton's favour. And they started at what I would consider quite a poor patch of football for us where, and Rich has already identified this, we were making mistakes all over the pitch and I thought we were quite ill-disciplined and we were just making generally bad decisions and some sloppy play and just, and then that highlighted the fact that our central midfield is invisible. Um, it, it, that second half, that second third of the game, to me, epitomised a lot of things that have been going wrong this season for us. Yeah, totally. I mean, you put it in the chat, Natalie, and I, I, I put something similar saying after, they, after that, equalised by Everton, it was like, wow, that's such a, 
just a complete pendulum pendulum swing in mm. in the in the game really because I mean I've said it all season I don't think we're absolutely awful I just I just think this team for the past seven years has been a momentum team we we get on a run and we we make, we take advantage of it and my mind casts back to we went to Huddersfield in 2018, I believe it was, and that was on like an eight-game unbeaten run in the Premier League, which is, you know, outstanding. Obviously, your mind quickly cast the 23 unbeaten. And I just think all season we've been stop, start, stop, start. Unfortunate, you know, oh, narrow losses, blah, blah, blah. We've just not had that momentum. And when we scored that first goal, you felt it. The turf just erupted. You think, here we go. You know, we're on our way here. We're, we're really on our way. And then all of a sudden, it's not even like, we, we put in a really bad patch of play and they just score a normal goal. It's a silly, sloppy error by Westwood. Totally agree, Rich. You know, he's he's got a goal side of him. He's tripped him with his legs, I think. You know, it's one of them that you're begging to be given. And all of a sudden, you just felt everything just deflate. You just thought, no, that's going to be such a, a change in the game. And so it turned out, you know. Yeah. Like you say, Natalie, uncharacteristic mistake. Lennon getting up, just getting caught behind him and then instead of letting him cut back inside, just sticks his, sticks his left leg out to, for, to allow the lad to be caught by it. Uncharacteristic mistake. And it's one of them where that confidence is gone and you think, oh no, we're really on the, on the brink here. And yeah. we were, to be honest, yeah. I was so buzzing when we got into half time, despite being devastated with the situation of the, the game, we really did need that half time to just reset. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was also happening, in, which frustrated me quite a lot, Rich, in that spell was... Um, just this lack of fluidity in terms of our tactics. And this is something that we've struggled with quite a lot in game. Um, we started the game last night with Veghorst, Jay and Corneal on the pitch. Three players who are spectacularly skillful with their feet. Veghorst especially is a real talent. But the team played the way it's played for the past five years as if we had Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood up front. And it was a long ball bypassing midfield, um, you know, hoofing up to them. And Begos especially was so frustrated because he was having to just try and jump and win headers. And all he, he's not, that's not his skill. So all he did was jump too early and concede the foul and lose possession back to Everton again. And I found myself so much during the game, just screaming at the players, like, play it to his feet, play it to the front two's feet because they'll create chances for us. I think it's a perfect storm of a lack of quality and a lack of confidence combining into that. Um, you know, that after the first penalty went in, we were absolutely awful that first half. And like George was saying, I was, you know, looking back at it now, even though you was gutted at half time, it was actually a, a result to get in at 2-1 because we were we were so poor. And the long ball is so frustrating because it's over and over and over again. But then I think there was one time where Collins tried to pass it out from the back and he got dispossessed. You know, we maybe dilly-dallied on the ball too long and maybe there wasn't enough options in midfield. But it just comes down to when you've got Westwood and Brown in, in central midfield, that is the key position on the pitch. You know, it, it wins your games, both attacking and, and defensive. And they're both average players. You know, for, you know, for me, Cork should be in the team. But at the same time, I don't think Cork's going to come in and all of a sudden be like Andrea Perlo and start dictating the ball. <laughs> you know, you know, like I think that's what some people are bigging him up a little bit, even though I'm a massive fan of Cork. And I think that's the issue, isn't it? They're just them two are just not good enough. And I think if Brownell was playing against somebody who was a better ball manipulator, you know, I think he would look better like he did next to Cork. And 
Westwood, you know, he's been a great player for us, but he's just way out of form at, at the moment. And it's it's like it's a hot potato. As soon as he gets it, he just wants to hook it into that channel. And actually... Or pass it back. You know, or, or then, yeah, made the easy ball. He's scared of getting on the turn and playing it forward, like you said, getting it into Weggar's feet. And I think Weggar's has got to the point now where he's stopping dropping a little bit deeper yeah. because it, because he knows he's not going to get to the ball. And what's frustrating is when we put them moves together, we do look dangerous. Um, so it's something that this is into the future and, and stuff like that. But whether we stay up or go down, we need two central midfielders, in my opinion, because... Yeah, we do. Because that's just the key part of the pitch and we are way off it, absolutely miles off in that department. And... Like, like you said, hopefully with, with that win and playing away at Norwich, we will have a bit more confidence to get it down on the floor. But I can't I can't see it really. It's just no. a lack of quality within the team. In that Norwich game, Rich, do you what do you do about Westwood? Because it was obvious last night the crowd were on his back all the time. It was similar to when they got on on Dwight McNeil's back. And and I think Daesh kind of said, didn't he, in the post-match interview that there were a few performances he wasn't impressed with and he will deal with that in the next couple of days. Do you think he will drop Westwood and play Cork for Norwich? No. Oh, really? I'd you be, don't think he will? I'd be amazed. It had dropped him by now. It had, it had dropped him by now. I can't get how you can see Westwood the way he's played since he's come back into the team and then he picked him for the biggest game of the season last night. So he, he likes Westwood because he's in a two-man midfield in the you know in the Premier League now you're normally coming up against the three in there, and his engine is unbelievable. You know that's one thing you can't knock him for. You know even like when we clear a corner, he's he's the one who's pressing the goalie, and I think Dice sacrifices a bit of possession to have him in midfield, whether that's right or wrong. Um, sometimes it wins us games. I think more than not this season it has cost us a lot of games away. The Premier League is evolving and even your worst teams are getting better technically. Like you look at Palace, who other than this season and last season, I'm pretty sure we've always come above them since we stayed in the Premier League and, and they're way above us now. They're, yeah. they're level. And I think, you know, that shows how we kind of regressed a little bit, <clears throat> you know, and how the standards improved. I know that's another topic. So, no, I still think I'll play Westwood. I just think I'll play the same team uh, but I think Lowton will come in so he, so he won't play the same team will he? Yeah no yeah I was going to say I, th- I think I think we're all expecting Lowton to play I mean I mean we talked about this before actually about Dash getting his substitute spot on um, it seemed to be quite a spectacular fall from being the next permanent right back to hooking him off halfway through um, well, right at the beginning of the second half for, for Conor Roberts-George. I, I can't remember the last time, other than an injury, that we made a defensive substitution. It was quite some statement, wasn't it, from Dash? It was, and I, I think it's just one of them that we're going to have to just suck up and see, really. I, th- I, you know, I totally agree with the substitution. I thought all yeah. first half, Conor Roberts was on, on toast. I think Richarlison were just spreading some beans around him. You know, <laughs> he just kept getting, kept getting past him. It was time and time again. He was getting skinned. You know, fair enough, leaving him on for the second half. You know, like you said to us, Natalie, before the recording, it might have been a fact, he might have said to, to Roberts at half-time, look, I'm going to give you 10, 15 minutes to see how it works out. And if it doesn't, you're going to get hooked. And that's ultimately what happened. There was a moment in particular in the second half where Richarlison knocked it past Roberts and you just saw Roberts just 
His head dropped. It was one of them where he, he knew all game it, Richarlison had got the better of him. Yeah. But I don't, I, you know, I really don't think it, 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 it's disastrous for Roberts. I think, I mean, look, he had pneumonia. He's had such a stunted season. He's not been able to come in, have a full pre-season with us and have a full season with, with us of, no, of being at full true. fitness. It's one of them where I really do think, you know, he came in with a lot of plaudits. I really do think it'll be a terrific right back for us. I think the signs are there. I think defensively he's not been up to scratch so far. And I think that's something that Dash improved with Lawton, improved with Trippier. And if you cast your minds back a few years with Lawton, for the first couple of years he was here, it was in, out, in, out, shaking all about with Phil Bardsley. Oh, until maybe a year and a half ago, Lawton was, you know, like I say, in and out. But Lawton then really nailed down that spot. And for the last year and a half, two years, Lawton's been superb. So I think, you know, it might be the case again with Roberts where he's a bit in out, but eventually he'll nail down that spot. And in the meantime, Lawton's really stepped up in the past two years. And I thought he was really good when he came on last night. There's a couple of times where I think it was in the first five minutes coming coming on, he went right through Richarlison. Yeah. Just let him know he's there, let him know he's in a game. And it was the right substitution made at the right time. You know, he gave Roberts a bit of time, but the decision had to be made. And after that, Richarlison didn't cause us too many worries. Yeah, no, I agree. Can I just can I just add to that too? Of course please? you can. I fully agree with everything George said. And I think there's been some really, really unfair Twitter criticism of Connor Roberts recently. Um, I felt until last night he was doing a fine job, I think, when we drew nil-nil away to Arsenal in Mark Martinelli out of the game. He was one of Europe's, you know, brightest prospects. I thought he did well against Palace, against Zaha, when when Peter's got ripped apart by Elise. You know, he's a you know, he's a youngest player who's learning the roles in the Premier League. You you know, big because Everton are not doing well, you can't forget that Rich Allison starts with Brazil. He's actually he's a fifty million pound player and he's a top player. Like I said, I think some of the criticism has been a bit unfair on Roberts. And I think, you know, Lawton should come back in, but I think people just need to give some of these young lads a time. You know, it's the same as Collins, they're gonna make the odd mistake, these young players. Just stick with them and, and get by them. And you know, it's not a lack of effort on Roberts' part. You know, he just probably needs a good pre-season with with Dyche. You know, and like George was saying, uh, I, I think he'll become a really good player for us. Do you think? Do you think a lot of that criticism? Because we've we've had this a lot this season, Rich, and obviously we've we've very much had the whole um, Dwight McNeil um, issue when he was getting some real abuse from the stands. Do you think that that's been a bit of a byproduct of fan frustration this season? Because listen, it is when you're not winning, you're not going to be happy, are you? It is football's an emotional game you know that's why like you said before Natalie I don't see how you can just have blind positivity all the time when we've not Mm. won many games my issue with McNeil is and listen I know me and George disagree a little bit on this what what annoys me about McNeil he's the most he is arguably with Corny the most talented player we've got and I know he's a young lad but I just don't like his mentality he's like that sense he just gives up when the going gets a little bit tough against Chelsea. Yeah. He missed that chance. Egg goes down. It's that slumping, loping around the pitch. Man City, four minutes gone. He just doesn't even track his runner. Like I'm not It reminds me of Danny Ings, which Danny Ings no, used to do that. A little bit, but Ings was an absolute grafter, you know, from what I remember. Yeah, true, actually. You know, like if my under 10 player, say when I coached under 10s, if they didn't track a runner like McNeil did on Saturday, I'd have upped him off too. 
because <laughs> I'm only joking, by the way, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> oh, a little bit. Coach, but that's what annoys me. And all these people say, oh, you know what? Yeah, he does trap back. You know, I'm not saying he never does, but it's when something goes against him. I can see it with my own eyes. So, like, you can't say that Dice has been happy with him all the time this season. No. Dice, Dice doesn't take a player off at half time. And I know he's a young lad. And sometimes, maybe myself, I have got to maybe be more patient with him as, you know, you know, to say, you know, he is a young lad. You know, I think it's because he has played a lot of Premier League football. We do forget how, how young he is. But I just hate how he just has. I don't, he's really got to be careful for me where his career is going. Because who's going to want to take him after this season? You know, and it's not because of a lack of quality for me. It's because of a lack of desire and effort when he's got tough. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Anyway, uh, I don't want it to be a McNeil bashing when we no, no, when no, we no, no, play no. well. I just, you know, we're just trying to make points out and we, and we try and be anal, anal, analytical and say what we see really. And, you know, and that's just kind of my views on it, you know. And I, you know, and I really hope McNeil, you know, I always say up this season, whether he stays or not, that's another question. If he goes... I wish him the best and I really hope he does get his career back on track because he's got yeah. immense talent and you know he's you know he has overall been a fantastic player for us. Yeah, definitely. This is Tom. Um just got back uh from the game, Everton game. Unfortunately, I can't be with you on Thursday. So I just wanted to record a few of my thoughts, um, especially while the game's still fresh in my mind. Obviously, yeah. Topsy-turvy, exhilarating evening. Um, thought we started really well. The crowd was was really good tonight. I thought everything that Dyche has been talking about, back in the lads, you know, I think everyone, you could tell that the players as well as the fans knew what a big game this was and what how important three points was going to be. Um, so, team started on the front foot, crowd behind him, obviously get the goal, good ball in from Corny, really good finish from Collins, I thought. It was more difficult than it looked. Um and you think, brilliant! This is all. This is all going to plan. And then, of course, the Mike Dean show steps in. Um, the difficult one with the, with the penalties. They're both very similar, I think. Um, that they're the daft. You know, the silly ones to give away because when we're making the contact, I mean, Westwood loses his man, and then it's just why would you put an arm on him there? It's not as if he's clean through. Um, but having said that, he, you know, it's the old gets a touch on the shoulder so his knees buckle and he falls forward um, and then the same for, for the second one it's you know he, he does get a touch from Lennon why that makes both of his legs you know uh, collapse I don't know um, and I think Dean probably had the same view of it as we did um, you could tell it was a very theatrical fall um, and it didn't look like he'd you know he'd gone down as a result of any contact when you watch it back, there is contact. I don't think it goes down as a result of it, but you can see why he's given both the penalties. And yeah, it's like a morgue at half time. I think everyone was thinking, well, that's that's all now. You know, I, I think as soon as Everton equalised, we really struggled to to impose ourselves on the first half. Um, the, a lot of the football wasn't good. It's there's a lot of long balls to Vegas. Then why they haven't realised by now that he, you can't lump balls up to him. He's not going to win anything. God only knows, but. That's what a lot of it was. Um, there's a, a bit of frustration creeping in, I think, at half-time as well. Um, mostly with the referee, um, but obviously partly with the the performance as well. But second half, um, yeah, I thought, similar, I thought we started similar to what we did in the first half, come out on the front foot. The tempo was higher. It got the crowd back on side. And obviously we got the goal. Um, 
Taylor will get a lot of plaudits for the goal and rightly so because it was a great run and a great ball in some pace on the cross, which we don't always see. Uh, Words for Tarkovsky, though, I think he, he's got the ball sort of on the touch line. He's got Calvert Lewin um, backing into him. He could easily just stop and, and get the free kick or, or go down, but holds him off strong and he turns and plays a great ball down the flank. And uh, without that, that goal doesn't happen. So fantastic. I thought he was the best player on the pitch, Tarkovsky. Him or maybe Gordon for Everton. Why the hell did they sub him off, by the way? It was handy. But yeah, Tarkovsky was our best player for sure. Another fantastic display. Um, imagine how well he'd be playing if he hadn't uh, down tools <laughs> in the summer because he knew he was getting a move. So 2-2, and then I think a fair to say 2-2 Everton were the better team. Um, similar to how they responded to the first goal, you know, they, they put the pressure on on top. Um, the midfield still looks so vulnerable to a counter-attack. So there was a, a few occasions where just one pass just absolutely splits, you know, split us to bits. It was Richarlison had the freedom of, uh, of Burnley on that left-hand side quite a few times. I don't think it was a surprise to see Roberts get taken off because he really struggled to deal with him. Richarlison was just beating him at will. Uh, obviously when they put loan on he gave him a bit of a boot and <laughs> sometimes that's what you need to deal with Richarlison um, so I think I won't say we were fortunate to still be level going into the sort of the end of the game but um, I think Everton was certainly the better side um, you started to wonder you know wh- wh- where's the inspiration coming from What? how are we going to turn this draw that's you know wh- you know, a draw is not good enough how are we going to turn it into a win I thought Dyche's subs we criticised them a lot he obviously doesn't always have a great deal of options from the bench tonight. He had a couple of good ones. McNeil um, thought did did all right when he came on, but of course uh, um, we scored not long after he was on, so his job changed completely. Then Vidra, though, for me, he made such a difference. I thought he was outstanding. I think Vegos, you could see, he was frustrated when he was when he's coming off. Like I said, we're not playing to his strengths at all, and and that's something that we need to we need to work out and improve really quickly. But. For that kind of game, we're asking Vegas to play. Vidra does it superbly, you know, tireless running. Obviously, being a bit, uh, being smaller, he's a bit more mobile than Vegas. Um, Harry's defenders, he challenges every header, even though you know he's not going to win 95% of them. And uh, I thought that was exemplified in the goal. You know, he's just gambling on that last cause, just just hoping that one of their players is going to make a mistake. He does. That ball could easily go out, but Vidra keeps it on. And obviously, has the presence of mind to look up and pick out corner. And it's a brilliant finish. And I think it's really good to see that Corne is starting to get his way back to that kind of, that form we had at the start of the season. I thought it was his best game for a while. And it gives you a bit of hope, doesn't it? The hope that kills you. So I said on Twitter prior to the game, Jamie Smith said in the newsletter, and I agree with him, that we probably needed six points from these two. But when you look at Everton playing Manchester United on Saturday, that's obviously a difficult game. You wouldn't expect them to win necessarily. If we better their result, at Carrow Road, then we'll go above them and we'll be out of the bottom three, which is, you know, it's been a long, long time since we're out of the bottom three. So I think the psychological boost, the mental lift that will give us going into the last eight games will be tremendous. Obviously, a big part of our, you know, a, a big reason where we, where we are where we are is because we've not won these kind of games. Norwich, Watford, Newcastle, obviously Everton. Now that's, that, hopefully that's a turning point and it means that we can do the same. Uh, in that Norwich game I really enjoyed tonight it was a fantastic game fantastic atmosphere I'm not letting myself get my hopes up too much just yet I think we need to win that Norwich game Um, West Ham after that is a trickier way you want so then you're thinking Southampton at home becomes a big big game if we can recreate the atmosphere the urgency everything that we had tonight 
then we've got a chance of putting some more wins on the board. Come on, you Claret. Um, well, we move away from, and, and Dice said this last night, George, about enjoying the moment of last night, but the lads will have gone into training this morning um, with one thing on their mind, and that is, of course, another massive relegation game um, on Sunday away at Norwich. Now, one of the things that got me most happy about last night is the fact that out of all of the must-win games this season, like the really big monumental games at the bottom of the, the, the league, Up until last night, we hadn't won a single one of them. We'd drawn a few of them, but we'd lost some as well. And that's been what's probably played us into the trouble that we're in this season. Um, we've proven last night that we can do it. We've finally got that monkey off our back and we are, um, you know, we won that game but we've got to go away to Norwich again. So ignoring the Norwich game for now, George, after last night and looking at the table and looking at the last fixtures, what are your expectations now this season? And don't, don't do that blind optimism that's George Poole. I can say, honestly, he's not even come off mute, your listeners, and he's, he, I can see the smile on his face. Just try and be not George Poole for a split second and try and be objective and think, what are your genuine um expectations now for the rest of the season <laughs> well objectively and i'm gonna throw a curveball in here i oh. think we've given ourselves like such a good footing last night the one thing we've been able to do all season and okay we've not we've not been winning games we can draw games like mm. i do not expect us to go and win at norwich i don't think we will i think norwich will be well up for it it's an away game it's just tougher when you're away from home but we've put ourselves in a position where everton all being well will lose to united on the, at the weekend, if we go to Norwich and get a draw, which we've shown we can do all seasons, get draws, we go out of the relegation zone come Sunday night. And I think it's just going to be like that for the rest of the season. I don't think we're going to be, oh, oh you know, we're going to win at Norwich and then we're going to take that momentum and then we're going to win again and we're going to win again. I don't think that's going to happen just because this squad isn't isn't really good enough to do that. But come Sunday night, if it turns out as I expect and we're on level points with Everton, but above them on goal difference, I think then you've got, what, eight games left or something like that. And I think we'll maybe draw four of them. And it's just whether we can scrape a couple of wins that just give us that edge over Everton. But I really do think, come the end of the season, if we stay up, we'll put a lot of that down to getting draws when maybe we shouldn't have done. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. again, will be really important in these last eight, eight, eight games. And I don't think it's a case of, if we say draw at Norwich, or oh, everyone's, we shouldn't be so deflated because it's them points that will keep you up at the end of the day, especially in such a tight battle and with us having a better goal difference. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that point in a minute, actually, because this is a really interesting strategy. And so I'll come back to that. But I would just ask you a very quick follow-up to that. Bearing in mind, we play last on Sunday and um, Everton play Saturday. Uh, they get a get, they get a day less than us to prepare and they've got to go, they've got to play at home to um, United. If they do manage to pull it off and they beat United, does that change your view? Do you then think we can go ahead and win? Because we have to. We have to beat Norwich. A, a draw's not enough. So does that change your view then? Probably, but let's hope it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, no, no. It probably, it probably does. Look, if if Everton pull off a win against United, going against a good team, even if we go to Norwich you know, and get a draw, you, you're still thinking in your mind, right, Everton have done a result where they didn't expect it there and we're going to have to do the same to just... It's going to be neck and neck like that for the rest of the season, in all likelihood. And yeah, look, if they win at the weekend, a draw, a draw at Norwich is going to feel really deflating and 
a, a bit a big a big you know real gut punch but I don't, I don't expect that to happen I'm so I'm you know I'm just knocking on my table here I hope it doesn't happen because I really do think a point at Norwich at the weekend is what we'll get and I don't think that's the end of the world yeah I think I talked about this with a couple of podcasts that I did for um other teams this afternoon Rich and it was something that I don't think I'd necessarily allowed myself to explore just yet and it is of course now a nine game mini league and this is where it's almost like a game of chess. It's a real tactics. And they, I, was, I was on the Anfield rap this afternoon and he said this to me and he said, Everton won't win many games now between now and the end of the season because of their um, awful, awful run of games. But we've got games where A, we could win them, but also they are games that we should not lose. And it, I kind of hadn't thought this, but tactically, yes, the minute we get our noses in front of, of Chelsea, so let's hope it is this weekend and it's, um, you know, United, United beat Everton and we beat Norwich and then that's it, it's in our hands. All we then need to do is just better or match the results of Everton and we're done. Now, do you think that plays to Dasha's strengths or do you think that's going to be dangerous? I think we've just got to take it one game at a time. You know what, I know what your fellow was saying before about, you know, maybe saving us and, and, and games like that. Maybe the City game, but you want to win every game True. that that, you, that you're playing, you know, and it's, it's not as easy to do that. I think Dyche made a really good point last night and I think it does hit home. Look at all the money Everton spent and, and still some of the players they've got and they're in the position they are. So you, you understand why it's so difficult for us. It does actually like set your reality about why it, why it is difficult and, Listen, the probability says that with Everton fixtures compared to ours, that we've got a better chance of getting more points. But football's not played on paper, as we all know. I put, listen, I agree with George in some senses that it's not going to, you know, we're not just going to go there and roll over Norwich. You know, Norwich got, you know, got a, you know, a, you know, they're still fighting. They drew away at Brighton last time. Even though Brighton had like about thirty million shots, which they always do, um, you know, and missed a penalty. But in my opinion, we, you know, we do need to go there and win. After after this game on Wednesday, it would deflate people whether you like it or not, George. It would de- deflate people whether we didn't win because, and then after that we've got West Ham away, and after oh, that we've got uh, Southampton <laughs> at home. You know that you know they're still good. You know these are teams that are better than us. Norwich statistically are a worse team than us, so we need to go and beat them. Yeah, that's uh, right. I think as I mentioned before, when we did a bit of our section about Everton, their whole the the fans who are going to play a massive part and. The record at Goodison is okay. And I think, they, I, I personally think they can be United. United are in an absolute hole at the moment. Again, they've still got top players who can win your games. You know, defensively, they're not great. You know, and if that, if they go one nil up against United, the crowd will really back Everton. It'll give the players that extra 10%. But, you know, flip, flip the coin. If United score early, it's going to be poisonous at Goodison. You know, you, you know what it's like there. It's kind of a real. Yin and yang type atmosphere, isn't it? A Goodison really, de- de- yeah. depending on how the how the game's going. So it's a really difficult one. There's no point speculating on. Well, we get a point here and they get a point there. Well, well, you just got to go and win our games, and that's what Dice's mantra um, will will be. You know, to bring us, you know, a little bit back to reality. And you know, when the euphoria, you know, I watched the you know the half an hour highlights, but Everton had a lot of openings yesterday. For large parts of that game, we were still second best. 
but we found a way to win and we got to find way we got to stop conceding bad goals you know we've had two games recently against against Leicester and Brentford were in the past would have just come away with a draw and we've ended up losing both game, them games and that, that's what George is saying even draws are important because if we drew them games we would be above Everton now so even if we're not playing well and it's nil-nil or you know we've 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 then got to hold on to them nil-nils you know and no, and like you said, there, you know, you look at the goals against Leicester and Brentford, the weak goals to concede to. So, listen, and you know, it's amazing last night. You know, it is fantastic, you know, to win 3 2. You know, we don't see many games like that at Turf Moor. I can't remember a, a game Burnley's played in the Premier League. You might ask Statman Dave, but we've actually been 2 1 down and won 3 2 in the Premier League in this Dice era. I, I, I can't remember one. I remember when we was two all against Palace and Barnes scored late on, but it was two and a up in that yeah. game. So it, you know, it was and it. But we've been there before. You know, we went away from Tottenham, and how good the atmosphere was, and we only got one point from the next five games. I think it's crucial that we get me back. Oh God, yeah. That's really. Hopefully, he's not out too long. I don't think he's going to play on Sunday, but hopefully, he's you know he's he's back for West Ham. You know, his experience will be will be needed yeah. there and. Listen, it's going to be tight. My <gasps> prediction is, it, I personally think it's going to go down to the last game of the season. I can't oh, see. No, I don't. It can't be Newcastle. I, I, but I, but I can't see either Burnley or Everton going four points above each other in nine games. Oh, either one of them teams God. going that having that big of a gap because you know realistically, you know you, you know you you know you try and be realistic about it. We've won four games this season. Are we going to win another three or four, you know, or before that Newcastle game that we had actually edged that much closer? You know, we, we play Aston Villa twice, who are still a good, you know, a, a good side. Southampton are a good side. Watford away, you know, Tottenham away, we've still got. So, you know, you say our running's easy, but easier, but there's no, but there's no uh, easy games in the Premier League, is there? You know, and that's what George was saying. Sunday will still be tough. We're not just going to go to Norwich and waltz over him. So for me, I feel sad by it. I think it's going to go down. Listen, honestly, now I know you two don't like what I'm saying. I would take now us beating Newcastle to stay up on the last day because we could easily go. <laughs> Me too. Because because we could easily go on an, on another run where we get one point in four or five and it's done. Yeah, true. You know, oh, so God, all, all, you know, who, yeah, but who knows? It's just the statistics saying the probabilities say that both us Everton are not going to get that many points and it's going to go down to the wire. I can't, it's exciting, I, anyway. Exciting. Exciting. I'm not sure right now that I'm using that word. I'm saying more terrifying. If this, if relegation goes to the last game of the season, and we've got to face Trippier and that Judas Chris Wood on the last game of the season, Trippier's out for season at least. Oh, excellent. That's that's fine. But even then, can you imagine if Chris Wood scores the goal that relegates us? Don't worry. Us? Don't don't worry about that fridge. He's useless. <laughs> said all along on okay. this podcast. If that comment comes back to haunt us, Richard Steele, I am booting you off the podcast forever. And I think that that is a very good place to end the podcast. Don't worry about that fridge, Clarets. He's useless. That will be some prediction come the end of the season. Um, I'm going to leave that there just because um, I want to maintain the euphoria of this amazing result last night. And Dave and I are going to cover Norwich in the preview show. Um, so this will be coming out, I think, tonight. It should be Thursday that we give this out. Dave and I will be back for the Friday night analysis show. Nope, preview show. 
as normal. Um, we will all be back, I assume, next Tuesday to look post Norwich. Um, albeit, just bear in mind, listeners, that just the fixtures this season are just coming horribly thick and fast. We might double up and we might, rather than a podcast after every single game, we might do one every other, every other game, unless it really is going tactically on a game-by-game basis, in which case we might just jump on for some quick chats. So keep an eye on social media. We will let you know when we will be back. My thanks as ever go to everyone who has contributed to helping this podcast on air, to obviously to George and Rich, my colleagues, for um, sharing their wonderful insight and amazing end-of-season predictions. Thanks for that, Rich. Um, To producer Matt for editing this and getting it out there to our musician who uh, gave us our music royalty free thank you very much for that um, whose name I always forget because I am literally the worst podcast host in the world um, <laughs> but luckily producer Matt rescues me every single time by tagging him on social media um, finally my thanks to you the listeners for downloading and listening to this episode your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you um, keep an eye out for news if you've got any questions comments suggestions then do drop us a line um quick shout out before i go to supervan mark who um quite impatiently tweeted us today and said when is the analysis show coming out i need you and i hope we delivered mark and that this was what you needed to get you over last night's emotions i've been natalie bromley this has been the none and ever podcast until next time days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com normally being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to health care it pays to be extra and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.